I am at least nominally retired, but on Thursday mornings, I drive to our seminary in Berkeley to teach church history. I get up in South San Jose long before dawn, climb into the car, and find my way onto 880, together with all the people and cargo competing with me on that wonderful road. <laughs> One morning not long ago, I was well on my way and on time when I suddenly remembered that a book absolutely critical to how I was going to teach my class, I had left back home. There was nothing for it. I had to turn around at the next exit, find my way back, and get the book, and get back to 880. I had to turn around. That's not the only kind of turning around there is. The Jesus we encounter in Luke keeps calling for people to repent. The Greek word Luke uses for repent is metanoia, which literally means change your mind. Turn around in the way you're thinking and thus acting. Change what you think is important or right or thus, and thus how you behave. Above all, in the New Testament, repent means to turn around in our grasp of reality, what we think we know is true and good and right, and the behavior that flows from that, turn around to what God is in fact doing, to what God is revealing and doing in Jesus, and start again to live our lives in accord with God. In today's reading from the Gospel, that is what Jesus is calling for from everyone who is reached by his voice. Now, at least some of the people in the crowd around him were following ways of life that they sincerely thought were good and right. They wanted others to repent. Those people who were sinners. I'm not pointing at Clark. <clears throat> Those people who were sinners. Those whom they thought God was punishing when Pilate mingled their blood with their sacrifices or on whom the tower at Siloam had collapsed. Jesus wants no part of that. We have no grounds to point fingers at others while we stand on our own rightness. For Jesus says that they all, everyone in the crowd, and by extension everyone, period, everyone must repent, must change their minds, and turn toward what God is doing in him and through him, all of them, no matter how right and religious they are. Everyone needs metanoia, once for all and every day. What is this kingdom of God that Jesus says all through the Gospels is at hand, is breaking in? How do we live in union with Jesus in whom that kingdom is breaking in? His values become our values. His life become our lives. We have heard it every Sunday, and we know well where we fall short. Here is what we just heard. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it, 
Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. That is the will of God for us, to love God above all things and to treat our neighbors with the same open heart and responsive love we are called to have for God. I'm not going to stand here and catalog the ways in which various people fall short of that. Since today's gospel warns very strictly against doing anything like that, I'm not even going to catalog the ways I fall short. But fall short we do. Everyone in the crowd around Jesus fell short of that call to love. Everyone does. Period. So where do we start to turn around? Where do we start to repent? Well, the answer to that will vary from person to person. But one thing that is primary for us all is simple and yet may be a lifelong struggle, and that is faith. I don't mean just believing the creed to be true, although rightly understood it is. I mean a fundamental trust in God. Trust that God will keep God's promises in Jesus when we turn around and come back to God. The promises, are they true? Will God forgive us? Will God give us eternal life? Will God defeat the power of evil, which has such power in the world? Faith is God's gift, and even a tiny seed of faith is enough. But how do we cultivate that tiny seed? How can it grow so that God's promises take root in us and shape our lives? and bring forth fruit. I don't know any way of doing that better than simply bathing in God's love. God is love. God loved us all the way to the cross. God leaves no one out of his love. God loves us without condition. You and I are beloved of God. Hold on to that truth. Meditate on it. Remind yourself of it. Every day, repent, turn around and grasp that love. Or better, let it grasp you. All God's promises spring out of that love in Jesus. You and I can turn to God and trust. God keeps God's word. And the meaning of that word is love. It just has to get down to the center of us, at least a little spark of it, that someday can become a great fire. I am not saying it's easy. Faith, trust in God, is for many of us, and from time to time I think all of us, a struggle. And there are tremendous obstacles. Evil is powerful. Evil and death just had a field day in New Zealand. That sense of the sin that surrounds us as well as being in us, that sense of the power of death, that sense of the power of evil can get right down into our center as well. There's plenty of evidence for it. 
My father was a man of great intellect who studied the Bible with an acuity and depth and passion that amazed me. When his drift into Alzheimer's became obvious, for him and my mother and the whole family, and for me, it was a puzzle we could not solve and that what I have not solved to this day. How could the destruction of a good man's mind be permitted by a God who is love? Just now in New Zealand, but in Atlanta and in Las Vegas and how many other places, a hail of bullets aimed at ordinary people showed how powerful evil is yet once again. I have no glib answers for that. But we do have faith in a God, a God who was crucified. And in our small way, we walk the way of the cross. God crucified shares our anguish. What to do when you or I are tempted to despair and give up on faith? to shrink back into disbelief and mistrust. It helps, first of all, I think, to realize that evil is attacking you. So just say no. Don't give evil that victory. Don't let evil stamp out the spark in you. Then pray, in your own words or in no words. Tell God about it, even if you think God's not listening, because God is. Turn to God and do what the Psalms do. Lament, cry out, speak out your pain and anger and loss to God from the depths of your heart to God's ears, even if it feels as if there seems to be no answer. Then remember. Bring to mind what God did and does in Jesus once for all for you and me. For surely Jesus himself remembered. He remembered what God said out of the burning bush, God's message through Moses to his enslaved and helpless people. I have seen the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them. And so God did. God was faithful to the promises God had made long before. God will be faithful to the promises God has made to you in baptism. Don't let despair have the last word. God raised Jesus from the dead. It is God's love and God's love only that has the last word. Even when you cannot feel it, you can live it as if it were true, because it is true. As a child of the God of love, live in love. And in God, that will be a spring of love that flows even in the dark. Repent, turn around, change your mind, because in Jesus' death and resurrection, 
The kingdom of God is breaking in. The kingdom of God's eternal and unbreakable love.